Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. Generations ago, James Baldwin said something that's become a life quote that I almost wish wasn't true. He said, to be black in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all of the time. And this weekend was one of the quintessentially American weekends that just enraged me. From Friday to Sunday, when I simply wanted to enjoy a few days with my family, it enraged me and millions of us as the nation beat us over the head with the reality that we're not equal. As whites from coast to coast either openly protested the quarantine or just blatantly ignored it, only to be treated warmly and respectfully by police everywhere, and African-Americans, sometimes in crowds of just two to three people, were then brutalized and beaten and arrested and sent to jail by those same police, all in the name of social distancing. It's going to be a long, hard, hot summer. I can feel it in my bones. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. For most of my life, at, at least the past 25 plus years of my life, which is a long time, I've not only experienced racism and bigotry up close and personal, but I've studied it, I've researched it, I've jumped headfirst into fighting against it, be it tracking down white supremacists or calling out and holding responsible people for police brutality and mass incarceration. But every now and then, you get a little bit of a break. And it's something that I've said to many of my friends who are activists and organizers. Every now and then, as an activist, as an organizer, as somebody who fights for good and fights for justice, you get a break in life. And you can forget. Either you're on vacation, which is normally when you get a break, not because racism and bigotry and white supremacy and police brutality stopped. But every now and then, even when you're not on vacation, even when you haven't just completely unplugged from the world, you can have a few days where you think like, wow, has has police brutality really slowed down? (laughs) And my friend and brother Lee Merritt and I, we had a few days like that at the beginning of the quarantine where we went days and days without even hearing about any stories of police brutality. doesn't mean necessarily that none were happening, but there was a period of a few days where it seemed like almost everybody was inside except for essential workers, and police were not calling themselves enforcing this social distancing uh, charade that we see. And there were days, I, you know, let's let's say four or five days where 
Nobody reached out to me for any help on police brutality. No, no families were calling him or reaching out to him needing representation. And I want to be clear on something. It felt great. Like we do what we do because we feel called to do it. But the law felt like, oh, wow, this must be what it feels like for there to be just temporarily a reprieve from racism, bigotry, police brutality, etc. And sure enough, um, it started rearing its ugly head and has not stopped since the shooting death of Steve Taylor in uh, the Bay Area of California a few weeks ago at a Walmart by police. And ever since then, and I, and I want to start there with Steve for a moment, one, because his case is an open case where we're still calling and fighting for justice for Steve Taylor, because he walked into a Walmart in the middle of a mental health crisis, needing an ambulance, needing a doctor, needing nurses, needing medicine, needing to be hospitalized and treated, and instead was repeatedly tasered, shot, and killed. Mind you, we then saw over the course of this past week white supremacists walk into the Michigan State Capitol fully armed with loaded assault rifles and handguns inside of the state capitol where they are then, while armed, yelling at unarmed, nonviolent state legislators, state senators, state congresspeople and representatives with no repercussions. We then saw a belligerent white man outside of the Michigan State Capitol, fully armed, wrestling with police while his hand came toward his gun. And police, as I have witnessed with my own eyes hundreds of times, instead of shooting him, as I have seen over and over and over again, I've seen them do that very thing with unarmed African-Americans. They shot them, saying, I thought he could have been going for a gun. Here's a man with a gun whose hand is right next to it while he wrestles and fights police. And they find a way not to shoot him or taser him or beat the shit out of him. And we continued this weekend to see it in a way that is so painful. And I started today with that quote from James Baldwin because the weekends, just like many of you, I am working long, long days during the week, Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. sometimes till 7 or 8 p.m. every single day, 12 to 14 hours a day, pushing hard with all of my responsibilities, and I'm not complaining. I I love what I do for a living, but it's a lot of work. We have five kids at home from elementary school, middle school, high school, and college, and it is a lot of work. And as we do all of that work, I look forward to the weekends in a major way with my family so that we can try to get away, so that we can spend some quality time with one another. And sure enough, as the weather was great all over the country, we saw... Three things that I want to point out, and it's the crux of this episode, 
And it's part of what has me in that rage that James Baldwin talked about and understood and was well acquainted with. We saw three things this weekend. We see and continue to see white people, almost exclusively, all over America, from coast to coast, protesting the quarantine. Mind you, Thursday to Friday was the single deadliest day of the entire pandemic with nearly 3,000 people who died from the coronavirus, almost exceeding the numbers of people who died during 9-11. That was Thursday to Friday. In a 24-hour period, nearly 3,000 people died from the coronavirus. I I literally did a funeral on Friday. I'm about to do another funeral today of another family who lost their loved one to the coronavirus. So don't tell me this thing isn't real and it's not disturbing. It's ravaging families all over the country. And we see white folk everywhere protesting it in the streets, sometimes right in the face of police officers. That's the first thing that we see. But we don't see white folk getting brutalized, beaten, tasered, and damn sure don't see them getting shot as they confront, sometimes while they're armed and belligerent, with spit coming out of their mouths right in the faces of police officers. Nobody getting shot. Then we see another group, primarily exclusively of white folk, who just are ignoring it altogether, ignoring the quarantine altogether, with no repercussions or ramifications in cities and states that are still under a stay-at-home order. And I am specifically talking about my home city, in home state of New York, New York, the city so special they had to name it twice. Listen, how in the world is it that in lower Manhattan, we see, and I had a friend, and let me make sure I get his name right, as I want to credit him and, and give him some love because he took this picture that so many of you are now seeing. Let me, let me, let me click on it here so you can see it. Oh, on Instagram, his Instagram name is Welcome, then the number two, Welcome to the Bronx, at Welcome to the Bronx. He took his bike all the way from the Bronx, which is another town, and drove or rode his bike from the Bronx all the way to lower Manhattan, where he said he started hearing a crowd of people then saw a crowd of hundreds, maybe nearly a thousand different people in a place that they are now calling the West Village. Uh, uh, Native New Yorkers tell me, Sean, that's new. <laughs> they, that's a new, a new name that they've given this place. But the picture that I posted on my Instagram that you can see now, that I posted on Sunday afternoon, that my friend Welcome to the Bronx took. It is so shocking. In a city, in our city, we've had nearly 25,000 people die from the coronavirus. It has ravaged our city. So many people who saw this picture said, I don't think that's from this weekend. I think Sean made that up. I think Welcome to the Bronx made that up. That can't be real. That can't be true. Because people started staring at the picture of Hundreds and hundreds of people 
crowded together at the park, listen, without mask, in the epicenter. This isn't even in Atlanta. We could do a whole nother episode about Atlanta. Uh, This isn't Atlanta. This is New York, where people are right now in New York, right at this moment, we have 11,000 people in the hospital, over half of them on respirators, fighting to survive fighting for their lives, struggling with the coronavirus. And if you look at this picture, you cannot see a mask or a glove in sight. And people just say, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's uh, that's Photoshop. <laughs> uh, that can't be real. Oh, it's real. White folks showed up and, and we're having a great, good time in the middle of the pandemic. They didn't give a damn about a stay-at-home order. This gathering, mind you, is not legal, is not authorized. Didn't matter. If you look again on my timeline, you will see in parks all around Manhattan, police officers with gloves and masks on themselves, warmly, kindly, respectfully, Passing out masks to white folk who don't have them. Just kind. Man, they're nice. Nicest police officers you've ever seen. In the meantime, at the same time, in the same city, the same police force, the NYPD, while they passed out masks to people who were breaking the stay-at-home order that was issued by both the mayor and the governor. We then learned and saw the NYPD brutalizing black people all over the city. Now, I stand against brutality at any time, in any way, but let me be clear. They weren't brutalizing black folk after they caught them in an armed robbery. They weren't brutalizing black folk who were caught in a murder or a vicious assault. They were brutalizing black folk that they caught not social distancing. In lower Manhattan, less than two miles away from the party that white folk were having outdoors, without masks, without gloves, less than two miles away, we saw, and I posted this video, and it has now been shared. Let me, let me see. It has now been viewed nearly a million times on my Instagram of the NYPD walking up to children, young black children, who were just standing outside of the store in their neighborhood and then began beating and arresting those children. When a young man, and we just got his name, when a young man named Donnie Wright, a brave young man named Donnie Wright, who is a groundskeeper, which is a noble profession, a groundskeeper for the New York Housing Authority, who helps to keep our city clean and beautiful, a city worker, Donnie Wright sees what the NYPD did to those kids and was rightfully disturbed by it, bothered by it, pained by it. 
And just as one other person walked up to film it, Donnie Wright walked up to say, hey, stop doing that. It's so dumb. Stop touching and breathing. Mind you, these police officers had no gloves, no mask. When they go to the park with the white folk, they have on gloves and mask. When they go to the hood, they have no gloves and mask. And they're all over these children, slamming them, arresting them, handcuffing them. And Donnie walks up and just says, hey, stop. Stop doing that. When an officer that we now know is Officer Francisco Garcia pulls out his taser, begins shooting his taser at Donnie, then begins brutally assaulting him, punching him, slapping him, slamming him, handcuffing him, then getting on top of him and deliberately mashing his face into the concrete. Donnie Wright, right now as I speak, is at Rikers and was a Donnie Wright, who broke no law, who committed no crime, who never put his hands on the officer, who did not fight that officer, who was not even close to the arrest, mind you. He wasn't interfering with that arrest. Donnie Wright has now been charged with felony assault. Felony assault against a police officer. No felony assault took place. The only assault that took place was from Francisco Garcia against Donnie Wright. Let's be real. Since I posted that video, folk have now sent me videos from all over New York. I posted another one in Brownsville of police in Brownsville, again, brutally assaulting black folk for not social distancing, then sending them to jail where they can't socially distance themselves. It's shameful. I am embarrassed that our city is continuing to allow this foolishness. I am embarrassed to have voted for New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, who continues to allow these things to happen on his watch without intervening, without holding the officers accountable. And yes, he has oversight of the NYPD. He could intervene right now, but won't and doesn't and never does. It's shameful. It's infuriating. And anybody who thought this was a new day and age for the NYPD was woefully wrong. And so here we are, again, fighting for justice now for Donnie Wright, fighting to make sure that Officer Francisco Garcia is held accountable for his crime. We have learned over the past few hours that New York City taxpayers, that's me, that's my wife, those are my friends. We pay a huge amount of tax. That New York City taxpayers have paid out lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit against Francisco Garcia. But they keep him on the force, and he keeps brutalizing people. It's what he does. He likes it. He clearly enjoys it. He clearly enjoyed brutalizing Donnie Wright. And the city just pays the money out. In fact, the city pays out hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And instead of holding police accountable, instead of ridding itself 
of the brutality, it just pays the suits. It doesn't mind the brutality. The city clearly doesn't mind it. But I'm telling you, and I saw so many people post this, I'm not just talking about random troll accounts or fake accounts. I'm talking about real verified accounts. Everyday people and celebrity alike said, listen, you're pushing people so far that the dam is going to break. The straw is going to break the camel's back. People have had enough. And it's going it's it's going to break. And I can see right now and I'll close with this thought. I can see right now. It's going to be a long, hard, hot, brutal summer, not just in New York, but all over this country. I'm concerned. I am deeply concerned. Listen, I've got to run. I am looking into this horrible, ridiculous case against Donnie Wright. And I'm going to circle back tomorrow with some practical ways that we will be able to help him if we don't learn that they've dropped this charge. All right. Take care, everybody. Be safe. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for your support. Break it down. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more.